199 Proof is a show where we take spirits and place them in head-to-head competitions against each other, evaluating them neat and in the drinks they frequently make. We pledge that we will try at least 199 versions of each mixed drink we choose in a rigorous, bracketed-style tournament of data-driven drinking. Just not all at once. Welcome to another episode of 199 Proof Data-Driven Drinking, where we take science and data and apply them to that very important question, which four gins should be the last new gins to get into the main draw of our tournament? This is the last call episode, because our next episode is going to be featuring second chance gins, and we'll talk about that next week. But these gins are gins that we've been seeing around a lot, or have had, and we just can't ignore them any longer. As we're getting low on space in the bracket, it's time to get these into the tournament. That's right. And we leaned a little heavier on how available they were for this selection for two reasons. One is, if we see it everywhere, we should find out if it's good. We should give it a chance to prove itself. And that's the public service of this undertaking. If we've seen it places, you've seen it places. And chances are, you haven't tasted all the gins that are on the shelf. That's right. Last week, we did a final census of a bunch of different liquor stores, and the first gin that we have here, we saw it more than half, maybe two-thirds of those, and that's available enough and prominent enough that we had to give it a place. And I know that both of us have picked it up and put it down several times and picked up other gins. This time, we picked it up and brought it to the table. It's the Revivalist Botanical Gin from Pennsylvania. Tommy Rodder Gin, our second contestant for the night, is a very similar story. We keep seeing it, people keep talking about it. It had to come to the table as well. Right, we've seen this now for going on a year and finally picked up a bottle. Our next gin is one that I have plenty of experience with. It's Four Pillars Rare Dry Gin from Australia. It's delicious. I don't know how it hasn't made an appearance in our tournament so far, aside from their Navy strength. And we need to rectify that problem, especially because it's becoming more available in the U.S. It certainly is. Our next gin has appeared on a lot of you-should-try-this-gin lists, or top gins, and that's Nolette's Dry Gin. It's highly rated, and almost every time you see it on the shelf, it's accompanied by a small tag touting its high ratings. Well, there's only one way to find out if it really deserves those ratings, and if that neck tag is true or not, and that's to put it in competition with good gins and see how it stacks up. Our next gin is one that we'd be remiss if we didn't include. It's Scotland's Hendrix Gin. Hendrix is really important for a couple of reasons. One is it's everywhere, not just liquor stores, but grocery stores, Trader Joe's stores, all over. The second one is Hendrix is often people's first step out of the traditional gins. And Hendrix was one of the first players in the craft gin market. Not that they defined the category, but they certainly got it going. Now, if you've been keeping score at home, you'll notice that's five gins, not four. Right. And I'm guessing you have a plan to cull it down to four. Yes, and you will enjoy the plan. The plan is to have a play-in, or as you would call it... A drink-in? Absolutely. I love it. We're going to taste them all neat. We're going to taste them all with tonic. We're not going to go through the whole scoring system, but we're going to rate them and determine which one is the lowest rated across all of that of the five. All right. Let's get to it. Let's do it. You gave that a four. That's interesting, you also gave that a four. That was the one you said, hmm, I like that. That was a six. I did like that. You gave that a four as well. All right. 
Another one you really liked? You gave that one a six. Yeah, consistent. I do really like that. Surprisingly, you gave that a three. I'm surprised too. We're usually more in line. You gave that one a five. You also gave that one a five. Look at that. Right? Ooh, this one didn't perform so well here. That one was a two for you. And I gave it a 1.5. Hmm. In the neat round, Nolette starts really far behind. Time for the tonic drinking? The tonic round, the drinking. Let's go through the scores and see which one sits by the sidelines for the rest of the night. The first one that you tried, a three. Interesting, you gave that a three as well. That one got a four from you with tonic. Yours actually went up two and a half points and you gave it a 6.5. You liked that quite a bit with tonic as well. You gave that a five and a half. You doubled your rating from a three to a six. Interesting. You gave that one a five neat, which is already good. And with tonic, you gave that a seven. That surprised me too, because I typically don't gravitate towards that, but it was really good. Oddly, you gave it a five neat too, and with tonic, you went down to a four. And no lets. No lets. You gave that one a two neat, and you duplicated that rating with tonic. Yeah, and I stand by the fact that I think both of those are generous ratings. You gave that a 1.5 neat and a three with tonic. All right, well, long story short, one of these has to go. Right, and no matter how you cut it, it's, uh, this is your territory. Yeah, this is no let's, no how is what this is. Okay, I'm fine with that. No matter which way you do it, arithmetic mean, geometric mean, whether you throw it the high or the low or, doesn't matter, No Let's was the lowest rate of the five, and it sits and watches as Hendrix, Four Pillars, Tommy Rider, and Revivalist compete for the round of 16, coming right up. The only positive thing I can say about No Let's is that it's got a really heavy, substantial cap. That definitely qualifies as faint praise. <laughs> I will just say there is one other good thing about it. It shows the value of what we're doing. That bottle is full of awards and neck tags, and it costs 50 bucks. Right, had I bought that and brought it home, I'd feel ripped off. Or what I think a lot of people would do in that situation, I know I've done it before myself, is then you start rationalizing going, oh, it's not my favorite, but it's different and it's good in a different way. And I did pay for it. And I do feel like I did not get my money's worth. And our listeners now know Spend that 50 bucks on almost two bottles of a good one. Now, if this bottle cost 25 bucks, I'd feel a little more okay recommending it, saying, hey, you know what, it's not my cup of tea, but if you like really floral botanical things and you really like that lavender flavor, give it a shot, play with it, and see what you can do with it. At $50, there's no way I can recommend that. Well, we're gonna take this off the shelf for tonight. It's gonna watch as Revivalist, Tommy Ryder, Four Pillars, and Hendrix duke it out for the round of 16. Excellent, let's get going. Let's do it. Over many, many cocktails, we've developed over 40 characteristics to evaluate spirits. For gin, we've selected the 10 most relevant, six taste dimensions and four non-taste factors. Together, these comprise our 10-point scoring system. The six key taste dimensions are smooth or sharp, strong or weak, boozy or sneaky, simple or complex, balanced or unbalanced, adaptable or limited, plus these four non-taste dimensions. 
sophistication or snob appeal, novelty, availability, price, or snap. All right, first half of the bracket, the neat round. Tommy Rotter and Revivalist Harvest Expressions. Mark, you want to kick us off? Yeah, they're two very different gins. The Revivalist Harvest Expressions comes across as more earthy to me. I know you say you get some more fruit out of it. I'm having trouble with that one. The Tommy Rotter to me, I get a bit of citrus notes, I get some savory notes, and it comes across as really nicely well-balanced gin for me. Yeah, overall I would agree with you. I don't love the taste of the Harvest Expressions. It's a little fruity to me, but let's take it through the scoring system and pick a winner. All right, smooth or sharp? Tommy Rotter is a bit smoother. Tommy Rotter is definitely a bit smoother. Okay, strong or weak? You know, they both come across as pretty strong to me. I think the Tommy Rotter, to me, the flavor palette is more pleasing, but I can't take away the Revivalist's strength. Yeah, I don't love the flavor of the Revivalist, but it sure is strong. No point here. No, I'm okay with the push. All right, sneaky. I think the Tommy Rotter's a bit sneakier than the Revivalist. Yeah, to me, neither one was an amazingly sneaky Nietzschean, but the Tommy Rotter was noticeably sneakier. Yeah, the Revivalist just reads a little boozy. Yeah. What about complex? You know, I think they're both complex in different ways, but the Tommy Rotter has a few more layers to me. It's a little more nuanced, and for me, that's going to take the point here. The Revivalist hits more on the baking spices notes to me, the cinnamon, the nutmeg, and it doesn't have anything to round that off or to add sort of layers or complexity to me. And I find the Tommy Rotter taking the complex category. I agree. Balanced? Tommy Rotter, I found, was a little unbalanced to me, but not particularly. Whereas the Revivalist was noticeably unbalanced. I get a lot more sweet. I get almost a fruity flavor. You don't get the same flavor, but it still was too dominantly that sort of sweet flavor for me. That's funny. I definitely get a different flavor out of it, but I get the same result. I find the Tommy Rotter more balanced. And that's where I'm talking about the citrus coming in with the savory and creating a more well-balanced profile. All right. I would say we should leave adaptable for later. Sure. I would like to throw in one asterisk here. I think the Revivalist is going to be difficult to adapt to. Yeah, Tommy Rider, I'm not sure about. Revivalist, I'm real skeptical of. But we've seen stranger things happen. We certainly have. So, and regardless, the Tommy Rider is going to take this round. Tommy Rider takes this round. Let's move on to the tonic and see what the Revivalist can do there. Okay, here we go. All right, first half of the bracket. Tommy Rotter, Revivalist Harvest Expressions, the tonic round. I started us off last time. Care to start? Absolutely. Overall, I didn't think either one of them did incredibly well with tonic. I just thought the Revivalist was worse. Hmm. Well, that's really cutting to the chase. I actually like the Tommy Rotter quite a bit. The Revivalist has a number of problems, in my opinion, and I think it'll be fairly clear once we take it through the scoring system. Well, let's put that prediction to the test and do that. Smooth? I thought they both ended up smooth. They did. Any sharpness that I felt from the Revivalist in the neat round is erased. Strong. Strong. I find the Tommy Rotter to be pretty strong. I find the Revivalist to be pretty strong. I'm not sure which I would lean towards. I like the flavor of the Tommy Rotter better, but they both cut through the tonic. 
Yeah, I like the flavor of the Tommy Rotter better also, but on strength, I would say no point here because the Revivalist is plenty strong. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right, sneaky. I take it we're going to go no booziness here. No, any booziness that I felt out of the Revivalist in the neat round is totally washed away by the tonic here. Okay, complex. Complex, I have to give the lean towards Tommy Rotter on this one. The Revivalist has a lot of the baking spices in there, but I don't find that there's any more layers in that. I get nutmeg, I get cinnamon, I get some other things. Maybe if I really concentrate and reach for it, Tommy Rotter, I get citrus, I get herbs, I get a lot of layers, I get a lot of nuance. Yeah, I'll agree with that. The Tommy Rotter is not the most complex gin that we've had, but the Revivalist just can't compete. No, it, it definitely can't. Balanced? Here, I'm surprised, but I would go for a push. I thought the Tommy Rotter would dominate this, but to me, it just doesn't cohesively work with the tonic, and it ends up being a little unbalanced. That kind of surprises me. The Revivalist comes through as definitely unbalanced to me. There's nothing balancing out those baking spices, that nutmeg, that cinnamon. On the other hand, the Tommy Rotter, I find it does have something balancing out those herbs. That's the lemon I'm tasting coming through. And I really like it. I think that it creates a much more well-balanced, well-rounded, full-bodied gin and tonic. Hmm. All right. It sounds like you're strongly in favor of a point here. I'm strongly in favor of a point here. All right. I'll go with that. I certainly find the Tommy Rotter slightly more balanced. You find it a lot more balanced. I'm right with a point. And that leads me into adaptable. And if you don't mind, I'll take this. Because it's got the citrus notes, because it's got the savory notes, I find that with tonic, this is something you could go a hundred different directions with in a garnish and come up with a lot of great drinks. That's interesting, and I would agree with that. I'm not sure what I would do to make a great drink with the Revivalist Harvest Expressions. To me, it just doesn't adapt well, and I would absolutely give this point to Tommy Rotter. Totally agreed. Which means we're going to have another pretty clear-cut victory for Tommy Rotter and a path to the final. And it's got its work cut out for it as it's going to face the winner of the next bracket between Four Pillars and Hendrix. That should be a tough one. Let's get to it. Done. All right, second half of the bracket, Four Pillars, Hendrix, the neat route. Mark, you want to kick us off? I had some preconceived notions about Hendrix that I'm kicking to the curb because I was sort of blown away in a couple of areas here. Yeah, I expected cucumber water from the local gym with a little alcohol in it. And in fact, it's not like that at all. No, not even a little bit. Why don't we just take these through the scoring system and discuss it and compare and contrast from there? Sounds good. Where would you give the smooth point? Smooth, I would give it to Four Pillars. Hendrix is fairly smooth for a neat gin, but I find the Four Pillars to be exceptionally smooth. I completely agree. Strong is an interesting question for me. I actually found them both somewhat strong, and I'd be okay with the push here. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. They're both strong in different ways, and I think that definitely warrants a push. All right. What about boozy or sneaky? I found them both a little boozy. I did too. I guess for me, this is going to be a push. I agree. Total push here. 
Okay. Complex? I lean four pillars here. I do too. The four pillars just has a bit more subtlety and nuance that I can really get behind. The Hendrix has complexity to it, just not as much as the four pillars for me. Yeah. To me, it's similar with balance. The Hendrix is pretty balanced to me. It's almost balanced in my notes, whereas the four pillars is a little more balanced. See, that's funny. I really like the four pillars. I really like it both neat and mixed. I also feel like it's a little unbalanced. It's a little too much front of palette. One of the reasons why I like to mix it because mixing it, you know, incorporates the rest of the palette in there. While I feel like the Hendrix hits more places on the palette in a more balanced fashion to me, and I would lean towards Hendrix. Hmm. I also never thought I'd say that. Yeah, I didn't think I'd hear you say that either. But what that means is that we're leaning opposite directions, and therefore, you okay with the push? I, it's the only way to go there. All right, adaptable, this is predictive, but I can see them both being adaptable. If Hendrix didn't have the reputation that it does, I would lean a lot harder towards four pillars, but I know that tons of people like Hendrix and Tonic, I'm gonna reserve judgment here. All right, which means it's not exactly a runaway victory, but four pillars is gonna take the neat round. Four pillars takes the neat round, but it's a squeaker, and I think that leaves this competition up in the air for the Tonic round. I agree. Let's find out what happens. All right, second half of the bracket, the tonic round to determine whether Four Pillars or Hendrix shows up in the final. I started off last time. Care to share your thoughts here? Absolutely. Overall, my thoughts are these are both good with tonic. Four Pillars is a little bit stronger, though, and I lean a little bit in that direction. Sure. The tonic creates a little bit more of a cucumber profile for the Hendrix, but it doesn't make a necessarily unbalanced bad drink. I like it quite a bit. It's just going up against a monster here. It is. This is definitely not your workout gym cucumber water with some alcohol in it. It's a good drink, but is it good enough to beat Four Pillars? What do you say we find out? Absolutely. Smooth? I think they're both smooth. They're both quite smooth. Strong. I think the Four Pillars comes through a little bit stronger to me than the Hendrix. The Hendrix cuts through the tonic, but the Four Pillars punches through the tonic a bit better. I agree. I also find them both sneaky. Yeah, neither one of them reads as boozy anymore. All right, how about complex? I get more complexity out of the Four Pillars. I think it hits a number of different layers and more nuance to me. The Hendrix, while it's not all cucumber all the time, it's definitely less complex. Yeah, I think it's less complex and it suffers a bit from being weaker because the complexity that is there doesn't come out as much, whereas the Four Pillars makes it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Leads us to balanced. I'd go a little bit for the four pillars unbalanced. I'd lean more than a little bit on the four pillars for balanced. With the Hendrix, again, it's not just a one-trick pony, but I find that it leans a little too heavily on the cucumber. The four pillars, I find it really well balanced. It hits a lot of places on the palate, and I just prefer it. Fair enough. That leaves adaptable. And here, I would say they're both pretty adaptable. The four pillars, maybe a little more so, but they're both pretty good. I'm not even sure it's going to matter with the point, but I agree with you there. The Hendrix, I think you're going to need to garnish that specifically. The four pillars, I think you can garnish this gin and tonic in probably a dozen or two dozen different ways and push and pull the gin in ways that 
you'd kind of be surprised by. That sounds fair. And as you say, it probably doesn't matter because looking at what we've discovered so far, Four Pillars is going to make it through the final. It is, and it's not a walkover, and Hendrix should hold its head up high. It's no, no, let's. But unfortunately for Hendrix, it goes down against a monster gin here in Four Pillars. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of Hendrix. It's just Four Pillars is that good. I came into this round with some preconceived notions that I've totally brushed aside now. Yeah. Well, this should be an interesting matchup. Tommy Rotter and Four Pillars in the finals. What do you say we get to it? Well, I'd love to. Here we go. All right, for a place in the round of 16, Four Pillars, Tommy Rotter, the neat round. Overall, my thoughts are that these are both pretty good gins. I find the four pillars a little bit stronger, but overall, the Tanami Rotter actually holds its own quite nicely against one of the best gins we've had. I think that we're all hearing the effects of the play-in round here, and you're getting a little thick-tongued. I love you, Pakala. Perfect. Exactly where I want you. I can mold and meld how I want. Just kidding. It's objective. Stop it, folks. All right. Overall, I would say these are both pretty good neat gins. Yeah, very much so. And surprisingly, the Tommy Rotter holds its own against a very good gin. The Tommy Rotter holds its own much better than I ever would have expected it to. I'm not even sure I would have thought that it would have gotten this far, but it's quite good. Let's take it through the system and see where these stand against each other. Sounds good. Smooth. Yeah, they're both really smooth. I might lean towards the Tommy Rotter, but it's a very slight lean, if that. All right. Why don't we give it a push for now and come back? Strong. Do you have any sort of preference on that one? For me, the Four Pillars was really smooth, and the Tommy Rotter was maybe equally smooth, which is shocking considering how good the Four Pillars is. Very shocking. Yeah, no. Four Pillars is exceptionally smooth, and you're right. It's not noticeably more or less smooth. All right, what about strong? Strong, I have to give it to four pillars. It just has that sort of je ne sais quoi, I think that's gonna punch through tonic. Is that one of those like too douchey like umami words? Yeah, I mean. All right, fine. Four pillars has the strength to punch through tonic more so than the Tommy Rodder. The Tommy Rodder's got like a subtle sort of characteristic going on, a, a softer, gentler flavor profile. The four pillars lets you know that you're drinking gin. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I wouldn't, however, find any daylight between them on Sneaky. No way. They're both sneaky here. Okay. In a great way. Yeah, surprisingly so for, you know, neat gin. Absolutely. Complex? I'd give a slight edge to the Four Pillars. That's funny. I'd give a slight edge to the Tommy Rotter. And I think that's for all the reasons I stated earlier. It's got the citrus profile. It's got the herbaceous profile. And for me, that just creates a number of different layers. I really like what Four Pillars is doing. But I think if I'm being honest about complexity, I have to tip my cap to the Tommy Rotter here. Hmm. Fair enough. Let me take another sip and see. 
No. I think I would still lean toward the four pillars. Not enough for a point. Okay. But I think I'm not ready to give Tommy Ryder a point here either. So that's a push. All right. Balance. Balanced is really interesting here. I find the Tommy Rotter to be really well balanced. I think the citrus notes really balance out the savory and herbal notes on it, but I don't think that that topples the balanced nature of the Four Pillars, Jen. Yeah, for me to be a little bit shorter about it, the Four Pillars is amazingly balanced, and the fact that Tommy Rotter holds its own is incredible. And... It does enough of a job that I don't need to give a point here. Okay. I'm I'm actually okay with that. And that's really saying a lot about Tommy Rotter because the four pillars is amazingly well balanced. I completely agree with that. Takes us to adaptable. This is partly predictive. Partly it's based on the fact that we've seen them adapt pretty well the two times before that we've taken them to tonic. Of course. I would say let's wait and see how they go head-to-head. Okay. If I might add my two cents on predictability here, I would think that the four pillars might be more adaptable. I think the Tommy Rodder's got a very specific profile, especially in the herbal end of things, but let's take it to the tonic round and see. Okay, fair enough. And you might be right about that. But if we give that a push, then we have the squeakiest of squeaks for four pillars, because it gets one and nobody else gets any. All right, wow, that is squeaking by. Yeah, all right, let's put tonic in them because tonic, of course, is a higher weight in the final score and also it's a better representation of what these guys have to offer. Absolutely, I'm really excited to taste both of these with tonic. All right, let's do that. Okay, the very final act to this play. Tommy Rodder, Four Pillars, the tonic round. Who makes it through to the round of 16? First thought is, Four Pillars is really good. Four Pillars is delicious. Second thought is, Tommy Rodder, wow. Tommy Rodder is delicious. I do not want to underplay how surprised and pleased I was with Tommy Rodder. Without a doubt, from a fairly smallish distillery out of Buffalo, New York, this thing is punching so far above its weight. I totally agree. Why don't we take it through the scoring system and see if it actually beats the Four Pillars Juggernaut. Absolutely. Smooth? To me, this is a push. Total push. They're both incredibly smooth. Strong? I think this is a push. Tommy Rotter is a little bit more of an aggressive flavor, but Four Pillars is strong also, just less aggressive. And to me, that's a push. Yeah, I agree with you. It's the difference between the flavor coming through and the palate coming through to me. Hmm. All right. What about, I don't know, sneaky? Neither one comes off as even remotely boozy anymore. I agree. Which means halfway through our taste characteristics, we've got three pushes. And it's zero, zero. Complex. Complex, I would lean towards Tommy Rotter. Four Pillars definitely has quite a bit of complexity going on with it. But what I really like, and I've talked about this all episode, is the citrus notes and the savory notes and the herbal notes on the Tommy Rotter really creating a nuanced, subtle, and layered gin. Yeah, I have to agree. Four Pillars is complex, and I can't believe it, but Tommy Rotter's is more so. Yeah, it's surprising, but true. 
It's sort of the reverse. Tommy Rogers is balanced, but Four Pillars is more so. Tommy Rogers is very well balanced. It's just unfortunately running up against Four Pillars that is like extremely and exceptionally well balanced. I have to give the point to Four Pillars on this one just because it is so extremely balanced. Which means through five taste characteristics, we're one, one, and three pushes, adaptable is going to determine the winner. Yikes. This is one that took us to a garnish round because it had to. Yeah, they were both good and adaptable with the tonic, and they were both good and adaptable with the lime garnish. Right. And I think what sealed it for me was we put the lime in, and I tasted the Tommy Rotter, and I said, ooh, that's really good. And we put the lime in, and I tasted the four pillars, and I said, now that's a gin and tonic. Yeah. What sealed it for me was the Tommy Rotter was quite good, and the four pillars was quite good and exceptionally cohesive, which means for both of us, we're going to fall off on one side of the fence, the four pillar side. Right. And it's not by a large margin at all. And I'd like to just really over-accentuate the fact that this small distillery out of Buffalo, New York, is kicking ass with this gin. Yep. It just happened to run into a juggernaut in four pillars, which makes it through to the round of 16. Right. I would like to propose that we include Tommy Rotter in the play-in for the second chance bracket. In other words, we already have four in the second chance bracket and four really good ones. We have Plymouth Navy Strength, we have Brooklyn, we have O'Pier, we have Dorothy Parker. And you want to put Tommy Rotter in there and see which of those five end up in the four for the very last slot. I don't want to overcomplicate our lives, but I feel like it's really earned its birth in that. Hmm. I hate to admit it, but it has earned it. Yeah. I, I feel like it definitely has. And I think that eliminating it and giving these other great gins their second chance and not Tommy Roderick's second chance, it's just not fair. All right. In that case, next episode, five gins, four places in the round of 64, and one slot in the round of 16. Join us for that. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Please check out our website for more information, 199proof.com. Follow us on Instagram, 199proof data-driven drinking, all one word. Follow us on Twitter at 199 underscore proof and find us on Facebook. Send us what you're drinking and let us know what gins you'd like to see featured on future episodes. Cheers. Cheers.